Welcome back to the River Avenue Blues Podcast. My name is Jay Gordon, and with me is the uh, illustrious uh, Michael Exiza, and of course we have, once again, uh, Dominic Lanza. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, how are you guys doing? Me is doing great because tomorrow is baseball, and um, that means that if you're listening right now, we are recording this on Wednesday, and tomorrow is the very first game of the 2018 New York Yankees season, and um, there's a lot to really look forward to. Um, but but really, before we get into that, Mike, you know it's been a while since you've done this with us. So I want to welcome you back, and um, how, how have things been since the uh, the new big job and everything that you've been part of? It's great. I've missed podcasting, and I, I look forward to coming on more this this uh, this season because there are just things that you can just get off your chest in a podcast that you can't do in a post. I, I, I really uh, am happy to hear that because I really want to be able to get your voice on here. People love hearing from you. And then, Dom... Um, Welcome back again. Uh, been uh, really enjoying doing this with you lately. Yeah, it's an absolute blast. I'm glad we have meaningful baseball to talk about in, what, like 15 hours right now? Yeah, it's about 7.15 uh, on the East Coast for us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just kind of just all on edge uh and, and, and speaking of, you know, there, there's some things we could talk about, and luckily the Yankees have already uh, put out the uh, the lineup for tomorrow's game, uh, or and by the time you're hearing, I guess it'll be today's game. So, Mike, why don't you give us uh, who's doing what? Well, I mean, this seems like something that baseball is kind of pushing because I don't ever remember teams announcing their lineups like the day mm-hmm. before the day. And it's not just the Yankees. A lot of other teams have done it. So I think maybe – Baseball's kind of pushing into do it to generate excitement. But but anyway, you know, the Yankees, the big thing that I've kind of been paying attention to is what is what is Aaron Boone going to do with Judge, Stan, and Sanchez? Is he just going to stack him in the lineup or is he going to put a lefty in there? And, I mean, the Greg Bird injury kind of changes things. But on opening day, they're, you know, it's Judge, Stan, and Sanchez. And I think that's just because there's a lefty. They're starting uh, Jay Happ, the Blue Jays. and mm-hmm. I think if it was a righty on the mound, I think he would probably Boone would probably squeeze Didi in some in there somewhere. I don't, I don't love that idea, but I feel like that's where they're heading. But I mean, generally, you just look at the lineup, and you know, a few days ago, I saw on Twitter somebody tweeted out, "Hey, look, here was the 2013 opening day lineup, and it was horrible." And, and now you got Neil Walker hitting eight. Neil Walker's been hitting third and fourth. I'm betting the Brewers the last few seasons. Neil Walker made $15 million last year. $15 million! He's gonna yeah, make... That's another, that's another he, topic for, for another... Oh, topic. yeah. But, but he, he's batting eighth and he's making $4 million. I mean, let, let, let's, let's look at that win alone. Yeah, and you know, when they, I mean, Neil Walker was like my guy all offseason. I must have wrote like 10 posts saying the Yankees should sign Neil Walker. And that was, that was even before the Brandon Drury trade. I just thought that, you know, okay, once they traded Castro, everybody was kind of thinking, oh, great, Gleyber Torres will play second base. But he had the injury, and you don't really know if you could play him on opening day. And Walker just made sense because he's a switch hitter. Put him in first and third. It just made sense to me. And so I was really glad when, like, I remember at the start of the offseason, I was like, I wonder if they get him for like two years and 20 million total. Like, I was thinking maybe that would get it done or hoping that would get it done. 
They got him for four million bucks. I mean, how could you beat that? It's 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 remarkable. Dom, uh, did you uh, get a chance to look at tomorrow's lineup? Yeah, I've been looking at it, and I've been trying to come up with some hot takes about it, but I, I'm kind of not really able to. I guess maybe you could say Walker's not great against lefties, so why is he batting eighth instead of ninth? But the lie, it's just absurd. Their lineup is absurdly good, even without Greg Bird. And it's like you guys said, you have Neil Walker, who I feel like has almost become underrated because of how long it took him to sign and how cheaply he signed for, and because the Yankees' uh, anti-bandwagon is in full swing because of how much the uh, the internet baseball community is kind of anointing them and the Astros as the two teams to beat. But he's really good. He's never been anything approaching below average on offense, and he's their eighth-place hitter. And you can probably argue that in their best lineup, he would be hitting seventh or eighth, and it's just ludicrous. And that's all I could think of when I look at this lineup is how crazy it is. And I, I guess my, my hottest take might be I'd want Gregorius to hit over Aaron Hicks just because I think he's the better hitter. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're facing a lefty, so it probably makes sense to have Hicks ahead of him. It's just I, I want there to be some takes where I could say something crazy about it, but there's just none. The Yankees lineup is awesome. One thing that I've, I kind of want to into, and I don't think it's going to but is Brett Garner going to hit leadoff against lefties? And he's hitting leadoff on opening day against Happ. And I, I looked at the numbers before, and it was like, I mean, he's like 3 for 10 off Happ in his career, something like that. He's hitting 300. So I probably factored into hitting him leadoff. But Boone talked about hitting Judge leadoff against lefties. And when they start facing tougher lefties, you know, and they run into Chris Sale and guys like that, is Garner still going to hit left, hit leadoff? I mean, I guess that kind of depends on a lot of things. How's Gardner performing at the time? Stuff like that. But I'm kind of curious because Boone said, you know, I'm thinking about betting Judge Leadoff, and it's really unconventional, but is he actually going to do it when the time comes to, you know, when you don't have Gardner against the lefty he's not been historically successful against? So for those who have not seen it quite yet, let's give you what the full uh, lineup is tomorrow. Uh, it's Gardner in left, Judge in right, Giancarlo will DH and bat third. Sanchez bats in the cleanup spot. Uh, Aaron Hicks in center field. Didi at short, of course. Brandon Drury is going to start at third. Neil Walker at second. Uh, and, and then the guy who I did not think was going to make the club and, and just out of the sake of injury ended up making the club is Tyler Austin. Um, what do you think about that specific decision? Do you think it was just out of the injury or do you really think he showed something in the spring training? I think it was the injury. You know, they would, they had the roster pretty well set a few days ago. And it was, it was, would have been Bird in that, in that roster spot. And Austin would have got stuck. I mean, they sent Austin down, I think, I don't remember when it was, like a week ago. They sent down, I think they sent Austin when they sent down McKinney and some other guys. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, you know, this was a, you know, Bird got hurt. Austin is kind of next up on the first base. I don't think he's going to play every day. I think he's just going to play against lefties, at least at the start. I mean, if he, if he comes out and really starts to hit, they'll play him more. But it seems like it's going to be Walker at first base most of the time, which is not ideal, but that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, Dom, who who is your in spring training kind of like the guy you think that shined for you the most? I was 
I mean, ignoring the guys who are the guys that we all know and love yeah. already. The um, people you expect I, to have done what they've done, you know what, like, you know what Judge was going to put up. You know what Giancarlo was going to do. But uh, aside from them, and hey, let's also look at the, some of the pitchers and everything of that entire group. And Mike, I ask you the same after. Who really stood out to you as your, your spring training, like, spotlight on that person? I was really excited to see Tyler Wade just looking so comfortable when he played and at the plate, he was making contact. He was patient. He made a lot of hard contact, which you don't really expect from Tyler Wade or maybe phrased more accurately. You don't expect from Tyler Wade based on what we saw in the majors last year. Mm -hmm. And he moved all over the field. He played all over the place. And it's nice to see him getting a chance in spring training and I was really excited once they said he was definitely making the club and I was even more excited when there were talks about him maybe even starting at second base which like Mike said I think was probably the plan um, or might even still be the plan with Bird Hurt if they weren't facing a lefty it might be Walker at first and Wade at second and I think Wade earned that between his play in the minors last year and how well he's taken to his role as a super utility player and how good he looked in spring training. Mm-hmm. Mike, but, so know, think, who was yours? I Thanks. Think Wade, I think Wade, I mean, he was terrible last year. Right? It's obvious, but he, he was better than that. I mean, he was he performed well in the minors. He performed well in AAA. Even when he didn't hit last year, he still, he still played good defense. He ran the base as well. And he, I mean, he wasn't going to make the team if he had a bad spring training. He needed to come out and play well, and he did. So I'm glad he, you know, I've kind of been the, the Tyler Wade fan, even when he was terrible last year, I kind of stuck with him. So I'm glad he made the team. I hope he plays a lot in second base. And you know, I wish it wasn't at the expense of, you know, Bird getting hurt, leading to Wade getting more playing time. But it is what it is. And, you know, I think he'll be, I think he's going to be better than a lot of people expect. And, you know, he made these adjustments working with Albert Pujols over the winter, and that's kind of a fun story. I don't know if it actually means anything. I just think Tyler Wade happens to be a pretty good baseball player. He didn't really need help but if it helps great if not i still think he was pretty good anyway absolutely so uh i want to talk about you know the uh the bird in the room uh and that is greg bird um you know it's we're coming out of another spring training with him having an injury and i i'm certainly not a person to give up on on young young players even when injuries happen but um there's definitely a little bit to be let down by after seeing what was what I thought was a pretty good spring training from the guy. Yeah, there were there were times he didn't look great in spring, but I mean in spring training, I don't really read too much into it. I guess the one thing that I'm kind of, uh, I guess the silver lining here is that he didn't try to play through it. Last year he was so bad in April, I didn't want him to go through that again. He said, you know, I think Cashman said that Bird said it started hurting last week and he said something right away. I got it checked out. He didn't try to play through it. And, you know, you think about how much time he's missed. It would have been easy for him to kind of muscle up and say, no, I'm going to play through this because I have missed so much time. Mm -hmm. I'm glad he just just said something, get it looked at, had the surgery before opening day, and he'll be back as soon as possible. But, you know, it's, it's another injury. It's another ankle surgery. It's three surgeries in three years. That's, it's not good. And, and I don't really like the Nick Johnson thing because the Nick Johnson thing was completely different. It was a different guy, different situation. Um, so I don't think it's fair just because they play the same position to put that on top of him. 
um, dominant. It's the same position, and they, and they happen to play for the same team. Nick Johnson had come up with the Blue Jays. No one would pick the so nobody would. Yeah. Dom, what do you think about what's been going on with the Greg, situ- uh, Greg Bird situation? How do you think um, this leads for his future? I mean, it's it's not great to see a player have a lot of injuries at such a young age before they even really really had an extended run in the majors. And really the part that concerns me the most is just the fact that it's his foot and ankle again. Um, you don't want to see those repeated injuries because – that's what usually ends up dooming players. And that's why I kind of can see the Nick Johnson comparisons a little bit more because with Nick Johnson, it was a lot of stuff with his wrist and back. It was the same injury every time. And bird's not at that point yet. And I hope he never will be, but I think that's what people are worried about. That it's going to keep being the same thing over and over and over. But that out of the way, I mean, I don't want to give up on him. I'm not about to say, well, when he gets back, throw him in the minors and let's see what else we got. I mean, he's the team's first baseman right now. If he comes back and gets hurt again, or if he comes back and he sucks in the 2018 season, maybe then you say, okay, maybe first base isn't locked up as well as we thought, but I'm not giving up on the guy right now, and I'm not giving up up on him out of hand anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of people, they were, I mean, obviously they're frustrated. They got hurt again, and they're like, oh, it's time to move off of the guy. And that's ridiculous that we saw what Bird could do when he's healthy late last year. You know, if he comes back healthy in May or whenever it is, and he hits well the rest of the season, I mean, it's not gonna, nobody's going to want to give up on him then. I think the one, like you said, it's it's foot injury again, it's the same thing. But there is some you know, historical precedent for guys having a lot of foot injuries. I know Mark McGuire had, like, a lot of ankle and heel problems in was 93, 94, maybe 94, 95. He basically missed almost like two full seasons, but he came back fine. And, and I know with McGuire, there's the steroids and everything, but but that's it's a similar situation. Anthony Rendon had like a ton of ankle injuries in college, and when he turned pro at first, and now he's great. So there's, you know, it doesn't have to be a career ender, but it's certainly not. You don't want uh, these repeated injuries to the same part, especially, uh, you know, your foot. You need your base underneath you. Just hope that this kind of knocks it out and this is the end of it. Very awesome. Thanks, guys. So let's um, start just talking a little bit of pontificating a bit, if you will, about uh, your thought about Severino as the starter for the uh, the first game. Um, we all know he had a really good spring. It's very difficult to speak against uh, them making that choice. Um, was there anything that made you have pause about, you know, Boone picking him? I didn't have any problem with that at all. It seemed like the obvious decision here. And, you know, everything the Yankees are doing, they're gearing towards youth. And, you know, it seemed like, okay, it was time as good as he was last season. You know, Tanaka could justify starting him on opening day, but he wasn't good last year overall. And Severino was better. It's, you know, Severino's a young guy. It's time for him to kind of take on that role. I think, uh, uh, Boone and Larry Rothschild said that. So no problem with it at all. I'm excited for it. And, and it's just exciting to see how, like, them being a veteran team. But it's all the young guys now who are carrying all these important roles. It's tremendous to see this change, you know. Um, Dom and I have talked about it, like, watching these young guys just get an opportunity 
um, it, it's hard to find anything wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, maybe this is me speaking a little bit out of hand. I don't know, but I, I like the message that it sends going with youth and everything, and Severino was their best pitcher last year. To me, your best pitcher starts opening day. But, I mean, I just don't care who starts opening day. It's one game, and, you know, especially this year, it's on the road, and... I mean, does it does it really matter at the end? I feel like the only time you, any discussion about opening day starters comes up is on and the days leading up to opening day. Like we found out the other day that Chris Archer was setting the Tampa Bay Rays record for starting his fourth opening day. And we won't hear about that record again until he makes his fifth opening day start next year or until he mm-hmm. gets treated. And next year they say, oh, it's their first time they have a new opening day starter. It's almost meaningless to me. Yeah, I've never really kind of gotten worked. I mean, I get that it's it's an the players certainly see it as an honor and it's a big deal to them. And I get why a lot of fans think it's it's an important thing. And and I agree. I mean, to me, it doesn't make a huge deal. I mean, the the Giants are starting Ty Block on opening day because Bumgarner got hurt at just the wrong time. But to me, the Yankees told you they thought Severino they consider Severino the ace last year when they started him in the wild card game. You know, that's winner take all. I mean, that game really means something. Opening day is just one of 162. Give him the ball in the wild card game. Pat told you that they think he's their best pitcher, not this opening day thing. Yeah, absolutely. And even through that game, you saw him, you know, in the worst moment, him, you know, get through it and come back the next game and pitch a, a, a dominating game. Um, he, he's a great player to watch and I have to be honest, he's the guy that I really want to just sit back and, and hope to get those 32 starts out of this year and that you're going to see, you know, 230. He's going to do what you want as far as uh, when you need a win, he'll get you that win. I just feel like that's the guy that we're going to see this year. And um, I think he's got really great mentors and, and, and it's really set a tone for this team. And I think that what CC Sabathia has brought um, in in leadership in the last few years, and, and and even the guys that were around prior that actually set the tone, and and we know it's it's it, we can talk about Andy Pettit and Mariano Rivera till you know the cows come home. But if you think about the guys that are in there right now, the blueprint, you know, the DNA from those years with Andy Pettit and CC Sabathia and Mariano Rivera and Dellen Batances and David Robertson, all that DNA is there. So it actually feels like a very familiar team to me. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think with Severino getting the opening day start, I mean, he's clearly the Yankees best pitcher. Right? Definitely was last year, obviously, but you know, I can't help but feel like so many people are just sleeping on the pitching team. Everything I I, see I, I felt that about you, Mike, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah, I just think that, you know, one through five, I mean, every team, no, but no team has a good sixth or seventh starter. They're all looking at guys like Luis Sessa, and, you know, very few teams out there, except maybe the Astros, who are mm-hmm. teams. I mean, nobody, of course, everybody's going to be in trouble if a starter gets hurt, but I think one through five, the Yankees have a great, uh, a really great rotation, a chance for it to be really good. And, you know, Sonny Gray's the guy I think like everybody's just kind of sleeping on. I think Gray's completely agree. Last few seasons, 
think he's going to have a really big year now that he's kind of got his feet wet and, and is, is just more comfortable in his skin in New York. Do you think you got a dark horse in there, Dom? I, Mike just brought him up. It's Sonny Gray. I just mm-hmm. – I, I think he is he was a borderline ace when he was healthy with the A's and it's true. We can talk about whether or not he's an injury risk or anything because he hasn't been super healthy dating back to his time at Vanderbilt when he was in college, but he pitched like an ace in two thousand fourteen and two thousand fifteen and he was pitching like an ace when they traded for him last year. And twenty sixteen we can't pretend it didn't happen and we can't pretend his control kind of disappeared with the Yankees at times last year, but he is going to spend the entire season as a 28-year-old. He has two and a half ace-like seasons under his belt. and Velocity's still there, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. There's, There's no warning signs outside of a few bad starts. He's not losing his stuff. His delivery didn't go to hell. He's not showing any signs of lingering injuries. It's just he struggled moving from an extreme pitcher's park to an extreme hitter's park, and would one of you plus one twenty two? Would one of you do me a huge favor since I'm the person recording this, and I don't want to? Uh, would one of you look at his Fangraphs uh, fastball chart and see if that uh, if his fastball is uh, what? What's the? Uh, I'm really curious what the the rate has been on his fastball as far as like. Uh, consistency with velocity. They've got a really good chart on it. I was curious if either one of you yeah, could bring it up. Been, uh, I'll pull it up now, but I'm pretty I, sure I, it's been... It's been I got it up. It's, uh... Oh, and Fangraphs just threw a pop-up at me. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what I get for opening it on my phone. Uh, his career fastball average is 93 miles per hour on the nose. Last mm-hmm. year, it was 93 miles per hour on the nose. It looks like it's been... Plus or minus 0.2 miles per hour every year. And I think, you know, with Gray, his control problems when he started walking a lot of guys, not just walking guys, but really falling behind the count, that didn't really happen until later in the season. His first, I don't know, I guess seven or eight starts, I think he's really good overall. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of fell apart at the end of the season. And I mean, there could be a million different explanations for that. You know, guys sometimes just, pitchers get fall into a slump and maybe he fell into one at the wrong time. He looked good this spring training. I mean, Monday night against the Braves, he looked ridiculous. And and I feel like he reminds me so much as a pitcher of Hiroki Kuroda because he's like, all right, he throws whatever, three pitches. He's got a fastball, a breaking ball, and a changeup. But it feels like he throws like three different kinds of each. Mm-hmm. Fastball cuts sometimes and sinks. No, maybe it's maybe there's too many, uh, too many tools in the shed there. Maybe he should not t- tinker so much. Maybe that's probably. Maybe that's the solution there, but I think he's Gray's going to be really good. And a full year with Larry will help too. Yeah, and just a full year of health because he was hurt last year a little bit. I don't remember mm-hmm. what something. I think it was maybe his lad or something like that. If he's healthy. I think he'll be really good. Great. So I want to kind of wrap up this little portion with uh, something I brought up a few minutes ago. So Mike, um, you write over at CBS Sports uh, for baseball. And uh, you picked the Red Sox to win the AL East. You want to kind of talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I did that. I, I I filed it. I wrote. I picked out my my predictions and I sent them in. I did it like late at night and I did it quickly. And I, as soon as I hit send on the thing, I regretted it picking the Red Sox because 
I do think the Red Sox are, it seems like people are sleeping on them. I feel like it's, you know, they've won that division the last two years. They've had, a, they've got a really good roster overall. They added Martinez. I think guys like Betts and Bogarts and maybe not Bradley so much, but Betts and Bogarts, I think they're probably going to be better this year than they were last year. And I just think the Red Sox are whole is a really good team, but so I kind of got caught up in the moment and I said, all right, let me pick the Red Sox. And maybe that's just too much. Maybe that was me just overcorrecting for the bias or anything, but I sent it in. I regretted it pretty much immediately. And I think this, the difference is going to come down to the farm systems and the depth. You know, the major league rosters might be really close right now, but if somebody gets hurt on the Yankees, they have better call up options waiting. You know, the Red Sox are not going to have Drew Pomeranz and, and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez on opening day because they're hurt and they're starting a 29-year-old rookie they signed out of Mexico as their fifth starter to start the season where, you know, if somebody gets hurt from the Yankees, I feel pretty good about Domingo German coming up and at least being okay. Mm-hmm. If they need an infielder, you know, you got Gleyber Torres waiting. and Miguel Yeah, and all, all the, the back, the, 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 the reinforcements that they have and plus just the, the, the depth to trade and, and the financial bandwidth to make the trade as well. You know, you think about, and, and I, I made this point to some friends that I said, there's no team in the American League East that's better positioned to add on than the Yankees. Because and that's exactly, that's like I said, I sent it in, I regretted it. But I, I, I mean, I picked it, so I'll, I'll wear it, you know. And besides, my predictions never right anyway, but I'll wear sure. it. Sure. And that's, that's the thing is the farm system, so the Yankees have better replacements. And I think come the trade deadline, the Yankees can get anything they want. You know, they I agree. The picture, they have the prospects, whereas the Red Sox, they're, they're underneath like the first tier of luxury tax. So like if they spend two more million dollars, they, their tax rate goes up, their draft pick moves back, and they're not going to do that. So I think yeah. the Yankees are in a better position to take on, get the help they need to trade deadline. They're better position to replace their players. So even if you think the rosters are equal or the Red Sox are a little bit better, they're going to need help at some point. Both teams, Yankees are in a better position to get that help, either just internally through the farm system or by going out and getting it. So if I could redo the predictions over again, I'd pick the Yankees to win the division. But I picked the Red Sox when I sent it in, so I'll just stick with it. Can I just say one reason why the Red Sox scare me a little bit? And this is kind of where I thought you might be coming from, Mike. Uh, everybody on their team, literally every hitter last year, severely underperformed what they did in 2016. And, like, when you say Hanley Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, Benintendi, Bogarts, and Pedroia, all of them had OPS pluses 15 points or more below what they did in 2016. Yeah, but is... with, with someone like Hanley, maybe you can't. Maybe I wouldn't bank on the rebound, but Betts and Bogarts, I think they're going to be much better than they were, and that kind of that really kind of scares me. I think I feel like if if Xander Bogarts was a Yankee, he would be just so unbelievably frustrating because he feels like he should be so much better than he actually is. And that's not to say he's bad, but it just feels like there's so much more in there. And I know he played hurt at times last year, so I think there's there's a chance for them to rebound. And yeah, that's one of the reasons I picked the Red Sox because I think they did underperform last year, and they still they're still you know, a pretty good team. They're going to have a full season of David Price, and that's that's a big deal. So do you feel the Yankees come in at a wild card? Well, that's what I picked. But ultimately, I do think, yeah, I think the Yankees are the better team. I think I thought the Yankees were the better team last year. I feel like mm-hmm. the, Yankees, the Yankees and Tyler Clipper kind of 
Boston location <laughs> more than the Red Sox won it last year. You can't convince me that the, the Red Sox were a better team than the Yankees were last year. The Yankees just had some really bad bullpen moments in the first half. But, yeah. You know, I, I do think the Yankees are, I think they're the team to be in the division. But I, when I sent in my predictions a week ago for CBS, I picked the Red Sox, so I'm just going to, I'll stick with it. And, you know, I screw up and that's, that's life. I'll wear it. Exactly. So, guys, that's all we got for today. Um, Mike, why don't you uh, give us a little info on how everybody can find you? Uh, well, on RAB, of course. But Twitter is Mike Axisa, A-X-I-S-A. And CBSSports.com, I believe it's slash MLB. But if you just go to CBSSports.com, click the MLB tab on there. Great. Dom, you are at Dominic Lanza, correct? Yes, sir. And I am at Jay Destro. That is at Jay Destro on Twitter. Um, follow us on Facebook if you can get a chance. It's really great. Um, we got updates on there all the time. Uh, we've got some really cool things planned for RAB in uh, 2018. Mike and I have kind of started uh, talking with Joe and Ben. Uh, there's some really interesting things we were going to do when it comes to getting in touch with all of you people, spending some time together. Um, we were lucky enough to do that in the years past, and we're going to bring that back. So there'll be an RAB day coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll meet up with you somewhere, probably Yankee Stadium in 2018. Um, and we'll, of course, uh, be at Yankee Stadium on opening day on Monday. Both myself and Mike will be there, and um, Mike will give you his regular coverage. I'll send some pictures and um, some videos and stuff like that from the day. Um, and, and overall, we're just uh, we're really glad that you all keep listening, and you're part of what we've been doing. So, uh, from everybody at RAB, uh, really just enjoy this season. I think you've got a lot to really look forward to. And uh, we're, we're really looking forward to spending it with you. So, fellas, why don't you say goodbye? Thanks for reading, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Have a great one and enjoy this season. It's going to be a special one. From everybody at RAB, enjoy. Thanks a lot, everybody.